I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we're talking all about holistic pet care and the role that pet sitters play in that team. Today, we have Jillian Edwards on to talk about the three core tenets that she includes in the holistic pet care that she provides, canine massage, animal communication, and Reiki energy healing, a word that I had to learn how to pronounce in this interview. It's a fascinating topic and one that we haven't discussed yet, and so I know you're going to get a lot out of this. Let's get started. Thank you, Colin, and hello, everyone. So, yes, I'm Gillian Edwards, and I'm an animal communicator, or you'll hear it called pet psychic or dog whisperer. Uh, I'm an intuitive energy healer, and I also do massage and conditioning as an instructor and a practitioner. And yes, I'm the founder of the Fort Worth Holistic Therapy. What is your business, and what kind of services do you provide to to your clients? Uh, it's more of a holistic approach. Um, for me, it's quality of life. Our pets aren't with us long enough as it is. So what can we do as their health advocates to keep them with us for longer as possible? Mobility, health. And when I say health, I'm looking at you know, all the corners. It's emotional, mental, spiritual, physical. So um, that's my, my goal. And for me, I do that on different approaches, whether it's nutrition, environment, um, the physicality of the massage and conditioning. And, and with conditioning, you can think of it as physical therapy. Um, the animal communication helps with that stronger bond to understand the whys. Um, and then the energy healing part of it is, you know, especially if it's remote, but sometimes with massage, we can't massage if there's cancer or open wound or surgical, something like that. So then I'll switch to the energy side of things too. So the animal still has a chance to, um, heal itself. How did you get started in all of this? It sounds fascinating, and I'd love to know where where this came from. Well, that's a story. Do you want the short version or the long version? <laughs> either's either's hour, fine. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, well, the how. Um, so, I've been doing people energy work for quite a long time, and through that came the gift of animal communication. So, I was working with a, with a human. And I could hear this almost like this, hello, hello, hello. And I looked over and in the corner was the dog in its bed, curled up, just watching. And I didn't think much of it. And I kept working with the human. And I also couldn't stop hearing this sort of hello. I looked back over the dog and in my mind, I'm like, are you talking to me? And the dog's like, well, hello. (laughs) (laughs) So that's when I realized I had either a gift or a curse. And what did I do with that? And I, uh, I did some research and there's plenty of, communication courses and certifications and stuff and uh, from there I learned it's not just I mean you see Dr. Doodle things like that but there's actually ethics and morals around it it's just a relationship that you and I would have is very similar to me and the animal kind of thing mm-hmm. so that's how the communication started and then I knew it was time to leave corporate America and I knew I didn't want to stay in corporate America so me being the bottom line person that I am I did Oprah's one-page fashion test and it came up with animals. Well, duh. So that's kind of, I'm like, okay, so that's kind of uh, how I got into it. So, okay, so it's animals. So I started doing the research. And obviously, when you think of animals, you think of vets and vet techs and the surgical side of things. And around about this time, I was recovering from back surgery. And the doctor did the excellent job, but it was the physical therapist that got me walking and talking again. And yeah, so 
kind of like you know the vets do the surgery they do an excellent job but then what's the aftercare that sort of made me think wonder about you know who does do that for animals and quite frankly there's not very many of us that do so a little bit more research I found a, a top-notch accredited school for massage acupressure and we happened to be an hour away so I called them up had lots of questions you know is this a real thing and is there is there is it viable and mm-hmm. having long conversations they were very patient with me I decided I needed about a year's worth of time and money to get through all the courses and case studies and clinical trials and stuff like that. Two days later, I get a year's severance from work. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I called the school and the school said, we have an opening next week. And I'm like, all right, this is the path I'm on. Yeah. That's how I got there. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes things fall in your lap and you're like, don't resist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You talk about doors opening for you mm-hmm. and just at each each step going, okay, well, this is this is the next next path I go. This is the next step that I go through. Uh, yeah. As I, as There's I no chance on. for second guessing or rethinking that one. It was like, yep, we're open. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned that whenever you, you went to that school, you, you had some questions for them as far as like, is this real? What does this do for you? What was that education as far as learning about those procedures like for you? And do you feel like you have to still educate a lot of people about what you do? Yes. Um, when I tell people I massage a dog, the chances are I'll get the eye roll. Well, I massage my dog all the time. <laughs> well, you pet your dog. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, use different, I use different intense techniques, pressures. You know, it's, it's almost like human massage. You go there and do you want a sports massage? Do you want a hot stone massage? You know, shiatsu massage. I mean, there's different things for to treat different things. And it's not like your massage therapist is pecking you. They're working out the knots and the kinks and they're stretching the ligaments and things like that. So, right. so yes, you pet your dog and I heal your dog. That's the difference. So the school is, is vet accredited. They check the curriculum, the exams and stuff like that. Because sure. uh, what they teach us, is the the bigger picture. I'm not just learning muscles, ligaments, and tendons. I mean, that's obviously the core of it. There's the acupressure points. There's how how is everything connected? How did how are the organs connected to those muscles? What does the fascia do? And what's the skeletal bone structure? So we're learning pathology, neurology, kinesiology. So it's, so it's a little bit more than massage, you know, because yeah. we have to understand how it all works and how it's all connected. Because if if I'm looking for a cause, I'm being presented a symptom. And if I stick my thumb on this particular trigger point, what's twitching somewhere else? Because it's all connected. Right. You know? So I've just got to be very cognizant of where I am, what I'm doing, and what's the impact. Yeah, you mentioned this. All, it's, it is all connected. And that's part of what you do, the holistic care aspect. How, did you, how would you define holistic care for pets? So, yeah, for me, it is the big picture. It's that encompassing physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual balance and well-being. So I, you know, from a massage perspective, I'm not just looking at the dog's gait, you know, how they walk, sit, run, trot, stuff. I'm asking the parent, where do you want your loved one to be in five years? You know, so what nutrition supplements should they be taking to get ahead of the game? We know certain breeds have certain health tendencies. So what is their exercise and play program? You know, the environment with the house and the family. How are they feeling? Are they sad? Are they happy? Are they healthy? Um, so to me, it's, I mean, I hate to use uh, it takes a village, but it does take a team just as it does with us humans. So building that stronger understanding and bond, the first step is between the pet and the parent. The second step is the education, letting the parent know that there are options out there. So 
who else is on the team? So obviously the vet, because we need the diagnostics. So do you need a chiropractor? Do you need a homeopath? Do you need somebody like me for the physicality of stuff? So let's put it so when a parent wanders into a store and says, I have a puppy or a senior, uh, what should I feed them? The odds are they're going to be walked down an aisle and say, you got this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Nobody really explains to them the percentage of carbs, the protein in that food. You know, if, you know, asks about what allergies does the pet have, or if the dog's not with them, you know, what type of breed is it? So now I'm looking at, yes, puppies need certain foods to, you know, to help them make sure their ligaments and cartilages, et cetera, are forming strongly. But to me, I'm like, well, how do you make sure this thing happy and healthy and mobile for as long as possible? So we should already be looking at supplements for them, you know, um, as I say, whether it's glucosamine or, you know, joint stuff or broth or whatever it is, just to, as I say, we want to get ahead of the game. Don't, don't wait for something to happen. And let's, we know something will happen because they're dogs. <laughs> so, so, so let's mitigate as much as we can and get them strong enough. So, you know, God forbid something does happen, they'll bounce back quicker. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that, it is that view for meeting the current needs and the long-term needs of the, of the pet and, yeah. and, and making sure those are in balance and building that team, like you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The first step that you, you said in that process was building and strengthening that relationship between the pet and the parent. What does that step involve and, and what role do, do you play in that? So from my experience, there's different levels of parenting. You can go from anywhere from I fed the dog and gave the dog a bed and a roof over its head. I'm good. To I got a dog or a cat because my kid wanted one. You know, and then you go all the way down the other end of the bell curve and they know every wart, lump, bump. They're calling the vet every week. They know everything <laughs> that's going on. So, um, you know, I'm dealing with different levels so again it's always educational you have to also be understanding of you know where's where does the pet fit in is it oh yeah the dog you know or you know is the the dog the child and then we had a child and now the dog's further down the totem pole and so it's the education part of it it's you know have you noticed the dog i mean we're all um we want to make sure everybody's gone to the doctor everybody's done their homework you know clothes are clean all that kind of stuff but sometimes we forget the, the dog until it's limping and you're like, oh, that's in my face. I can't not see that. Mm. Um, but to me, by the time the dog is limping, it's down the road because it's hidden it for a while. I like to get in when they're puppies and start the education right then and there. It's like, this is you know, like your child. You want your child to grow up, go out into the world with as much knowledge and safety as possible. Well, it's the same with the pets. The pets are so dependent on us. And it's, you know, so, some people will have done the research and said, I need this kind of pet because it's my kind of lifestyle. Some people will have just, you know, taken their kid to the rescue, picked up a dog. And now they're like, oh, I need a leash of a dog. <laughs> Tag and a bed. And a... So to me, it's part of that. OK, now you've got one or you're thinking of getting one. These are the things to think about so that everybody's safe and healthy and happy and right. get the most enjoyment out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it really does. Yeah. I love that comparison of like. Some people are, are planned puppy parents and some people are unplanned puppy parents, uh, but they mm -hmm. still have they still have to be meeting the needs for the dogs that yeah. are in their care. Yeah, because if you go to a breeder or to the shelters, they'll ask you a bunch of questions about, you know, are you uh, a sensible, reliable parent? But they don't teach you how to be a parent, mm. which I guess is kind of the same in the human world. If you don't buy the doctor's <laughs> use book, you're kind of winging it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess even with the book, you're winging it, but yeah. yeah. 
but but there, but there's people like me that we're doing the research all the time because things are changing. So right. parents don't have time for that. So it's up to us to say, hey, this is a new thing that's out there, or I've seen this and it works, or have you considered something like that, or and so on. I mean, it's it's like um, when you're you got a a high-end champion agility dog or something like that, and they're learning, they're about to retire. Well, do you want them just to hang out in the garden, or do you want to switch and start teaching them nose work? So, I mean, it's, it's things like that, that 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 I can help to say, let's keep the brain acts like a muscle. So let's physically they can't run around, but maybe mentally we can still keep them going. You know, yeah. so it's that type of education to let, and it's an enjoyment, it's a fun game between you know kids, parents, and dogs. The nose work, and it's becoming. A big thing. They're going to have um, leagues and competitions with it soon. Um, oh, wow. where can people go to find more information about that if they haven't heard about it or want to find learn learn more? Yeah, there's a Facebook group. There's a national organization on the website. Thank God for Google, but you can look up your local area. Some dog trainers are now teaching it. You can take classes on it and stuff. So yeah, I mean, we're used to nose work being. You go to the airport and you see the sniffer dogs. Yeah, you, know, you, you see them on TV looking for bombs and things like that this is more for us so they're looking for their favorite toy strawberry you know treats things like that so it's hidden it's like hide and seek kind of thing or it's under boxes for the and trainings and things so no, that's really that's really cool, and and I like in that idea again of of at each stage of the dog's life there is variation mm-hmm. in the care to meet their needs and and the role that we can play in that. Yeah, they have purpose. They want purpose, so. Give him a job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did want to touch back a little bit on the uh, the massages that, that you give and, and what that process looks like for you. You compared it a little bit to sports medicine versus a more relaxing massage. What, what does that look like in giving a dog those kind of massages and what kind of varieties are there? Yeah. So at the school, we do different levels, anything from um, therapeutic, uh, active to senior. If you know all the different techniques, basically, when you come across a dog, you can tailor what you're doing for that specific dog. Mm. So let, let's let's start with that, with the, if you know everything kind of thing. And it's kind of like us. When you see a dog, and if you've got a program with a dog, whether it's weekly, monthly, or whatever, if it's on a wellness scene, but things change week to week. You know, So I can come in, and the dog's, I don't know, got some arthritis. So I'll be working to relieve some of the tension around the joint so that they can move. Then the following week I come and it's going to be a different part of the body because they did something, they jumped down awkwardly from the from the bed or something else happened. So I'm still working on the arthritic joint, but now I've got an injury. Mm. You know, so, so it changes all the time. Um, it could be you know seasonal too. It's like um, here in America, we're about to hit July the 4th. So there's lots of fireworks. Um, it's, you know, where I'm living right now, it's, it's kind of monsoon. You get the hot day and then you get the thunderstorm. So, right. you know, it, depending on what time of day I'm arriving, sometimes the dogs just need to be calm. So then I'm doing that more of that therapeutic, soothing type techniques. Uh, if I go to a senior dog, they're probably not very active. They're lying around the house all day, either from being old or they've got, you know, they're losing the use of their limbs. So mm. then the massage becomes more of a passive exercise because now I've got to keep those muscles working, even though they're lying around, you know, so it's moving those fluids and toxins and, and stuff like that so it's just it really depends on what you're working with with puppies the therapeutic one is pretty good because they're just out of their body hyper all over the place so you want to sort of calm them down and so they can start listening to some of their training words and signals um 
you know, with athletic dogs, it could be, you know, if you're doing a show dog or you're doing an actual competitive dog, it could be a, a warm up and a cool down type exercise before and after. Mm. You know, so it's it depends on what you're dealing with with as to how you're how you're working with the animal. Sure. For for pet sitters and, and other pet care providers, are these kind of massage techniques something that uh, we could a- apply without going into uh, training and going to school for them? Are there some basic techniques that we can use or, or look into? Yes. I'm kind of hesitant because you've got to be certified. And yeah, so I mean, one of the classes at the school we do teach is just for you and your pet. It's a very short course that you can learn things because um, if you don't know what you're doing, you, you could cause harm because you don't know where some of the main arteries are and if you put too much pressure, that kind of stuff. So not yeah. to scare people. With a massage, some of the techniques are the same. You just use them differently. So, for instance, if I raked my fingers slowly down the ribcage, it's very soothing. Um, if I raked my fingers a little faster up the ribcage, it's very stimulating because I'm working with the diaphragm muscles. Yeah. You know? Um, I think the easiest and safest thing is doing like mini circles. So using your fingertips, I would I do like middle of your palm of your hand type mini circles and just move along the coat and do little circles next to each other. Mm. That stimulates some of the nerve endings because um, their skin is like the biggest organ and is bringing in all the information from the outside world. And that can be quite soothing for the pets. So that's something that you can easily do. There's no pressure involved. You can almost do it absentmindedly. You're just doing little circles. It's almost soothing for yourself. <laughs> and it's something you can do watching TV. They're lying next to you and you just do little circles. So that would be that would be an easy one. Yeah. And and and, and what I was trying to get at there was that it, it is much more than just petting your dog. And you can yeah. do actual harm with this if you don't know what you're doing. So mm. to really seek out good advice, proper training for these kind of things to learn those techniques so you can so you can give the yeah. most help. Because there is special training required for this, when would you recommend that a pet sitter or a, a client seek out massage specifically for their for their pet? Is there some cases where it's at, you know an absolute need or it's um, just more quality of life overall kind of thing? Sure. And I just want to backtrack a little bit. Um no pressure is better than any pressure whenever you're touching a dog. And I know sometimes when we, even when we're petting a dog, and, and I'm just going to use this as an example, I'm not pointing fingers, but like uncle or grandpa will come over and like smack the dog. Hey, he's a good boy, you know? Yeah. We don't do that because that's, you know, especially on older dogs, you can really do some harm. So right. whenever you approach a dog, you always start with hardly any pressure. So, and then work your way up. Now, obviously a mastiff can take more than a dachshund kind of thing. but Yeah. But yeah, so I just wanted to point that out. So what will competitors look for? Um, to be honest, any time is a good time for a massage because it's really about conditioning. Yeah. Um, you know, like I say, even athletes, they have regular massages to stay fit and healthy. And like I said before, we're going for that longer quality of life. Well, people's circumstances are different too. I understand that, you know, financially and especially as this year is kind of a strange year too. So I, I understand that. But obviously, if you see an animal limping, okay, that's the big clue. Um, if they're constantly licking a paw or a leg, if they're slow to get up from sitting, if they have a lack of interest in things, if they seem sad. So, so any of those slight changes in behavior, especially if you know, know that dog or that cat very well, yeah. um, that, that's kind of like, oh, something's going on. Um, and then you, you know, depending on your, your circumstances, but you watch it. It's like, did something trigger this? Is this just a moment in time? 
or has this been going on for a week? You know, and then there are obviously certain things you go to the vet for too. It's like, oh, okay, this the lick the pore now it's raw and right. Know? So yeah, so you want to catch things early, um, and that's kind of why I like to work with puppies because, as I say, they're still forming and growing, and they just don't know what they're doing, and they're overexerting themselves because play is so exciting. They want to <laughs> please you, so you know it's like we we got to sort of help them out early on because. I mean, for my personal story, I, my little girl um, came running down the stairs, hit the wood floor, wiped out. And, you know, you get the high-pitched whine that scares everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> and started limping. So then she was only a few months old. So, you know, puppies have injuries and then they bounce back quicker because they're young. But if you don't get it sorted out, you could have displaced your elbows or something later on because that joint is now growing differently. Yeah, so. Right. So don't ignore the puppy because it's a puppy. Right, right. And and you mentioned at kind of the beginning of that was just paying attention as is the biggest thing, right? And being yep. in tune with that. And as pet sitters, we interact with uh, people's pets sometimes more than they do. And so that's a great time to have that conversation of this is going on and mm-hmm. you know have, have you thought about seeking a, a massage for the dog and, and, mm-hmm. and going down going down that road uh, and just just having that conversation right is is really really helps yeah i mean that's it is a key because i mean i mean you, you don't want anything to happen on your watch so you're super diligent as to what's going on um you are more observant you're not necessarily heart connected so you know you can have that step, take a step back and be pragmatic about okay i don't think this is good you know or something like that and you can have right. that relationship with that parent and say hey have you noticed you know and let plant that seed in their mind so that they start paying attention because and also from a, from a parent's perspective we see our animals day in day out we don't notice things right whereas if you're a pet sitter and you're coming in you know couple times a week or monthly or it's on vacation mm-hmm. you notice that there's been a change because you haven't seen that pet constantly you know so right so definitely you're you're the first line of defense in some cases as pet sitters because you do see the thing that get missed and the key part of that is just communication and, and starting to have that conversation Always. with them yeah, yeah. And, and on that you've mentioned it at the beginning of you provide animal communication to help with bonding with the pet and its owner could you tell us a little bit more about what that process is like and, and why that is something that you, you offer? So to me, it's the understanding of the why, and especially if you've got rescues. And mm-hmm. if it's an older rescue, you didn't get it straight you know, from a litter or something like that. There will be behaviors. So if you've got an older dog, you're inheriting something and you don't know why. You don't know why they don't want to go out the door. You don't know why they don't like cars. You don't know why. So sometimes the communication helps you understand you know, past traumas or um, you're giving them the wrong food they don't like the fish they want the chicken you know something like that so i mean i mean i mean you know you'd be surprised so, it, so i mean part of it is is having that better understanding better bonding and then the animal also realizes that you care enough to ask you know that that makes them because they're communicating with us all the time we're just not listening mm. so that that sort of gives them some relief too yeah and it, it's just part of that You've taken on the commitment and the responsibility to be a parent. So go all in, ask them questions, find out what they want, what makes them happy. Are they happy? You know, right. are they in pain? You know, are they ready to cross over? I mean, it's just all these types of questions that come up. I mean, you wouldn't have a child and just feed it. 
you know, you're asking, how did your day go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you, yeah, it's, so it's similar with the pets. It's like, oh, were you bored today? Did you enjoy the walk? Was the walk too far? Was the, you know, and I, I think it's once you understand why a pet is doing a certain something, you can change it. it changes everything. Because I think one of the common phrases that I hear of, well, dealing with a pet is like dealing with a kid that doesn't talk. And you just don't know why. But there are ways to communicate with them that can help you cut through that, that can help you pinpoint some of these behaviors and actions that you might not fully understand. And that's what that's where you're coming from in that of going, hey, let's let's work together on this and 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 just ask. Yeah. yeah so I mean it's I mean you can learn behaviors. You can do, you know, go to like Coursera or somewhere like that when there's online universities and they'll teach you dog cognition. So I mean right. that's sort of level one of communications. You know, the dog's cocking its head or it's looking at you or it's got its, its head on your leg. You know, it's, there's, there's those types of communications. I just take it to the next level and say, okay, so you've got your head on my knee. Does that mean you just want to be petted? Are you hungry? Is it time to go out? <laughs> it's like, you just love me. You know? <laughs> it's right. like, so, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm sort of taking it to that, to that next step. And it's, let's say, it just creates that stronger bond. And for me personally, it's, I use it, um, if I'm coming into a situation and something's happened to the dog, and of course, nobody ever sees it, nobody knows how, how long it's been going on. Well, I can tap in with the communication side and say, so, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Where does it hurt? Yeah. And I use that as part of my toolkit as to, you know, what I'm working with. And you said it's not just learning the behaviors of it aspect. It is. It is being connected with them at least at this other level that allows you to really to really help and provide the care that you're that you want to provide. Yeah, because if you'll see a dog trainer, you know they'll teach you certain behaviors as to, you know, typically this is what dogs do, or this is in their DNA from when they were wild, or this is you know there are. I mean, certain things is a physical behavior. You know, the, the dog will greet you at the door with a toy in its mouth. That's part of the DNA of the dog. You know, it's, it's stuff like that. Um, whereas I'm asking the harder questions, you know. As pet sitters, what are some ways that we can get better connected with the pets in our care and communicate with them at that, at that deeper level? Trainings we can take and, and educational resources out there. Um, so, yeah, if you're not doing the actual, if you want telepathic communication, it's, it's observe their behavior. Because, um, let's say, they're always talking to us and telling us things um sometimes insistently uh, if you're not listening <laughs> um so yeah so if you're familiar with your pet you can determine you know what the head tilt means or if they if they do want you to follow you somewhere or as i say that cognition behavior communication um that's something you can definitely read up on and if you want to try actual communications you can get down down to their level on the floor and just look into their eyes don't, don't touch them or anything just and try and say hello or say their name or you know, see if you get that eye contact then then relax and feel about what, what do you sense you know do you feel a connection and if you do try asking him, you know, something simple like what's your favorite treat you know um if you do this for like 10 15 minutes regularly you know you might find you'll get an answer That's a, hmm. yeah just sort of letting go of the left brain and just stare at the dog See, <laughs> 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 so, but it's practice you know especially yeah. on that sort of telepathic side it's you know because because when you first like me when i first heard that dog saying hello to me your second guessing is like oh my god i'm crazy you know i need right. more sleep you know <laughs> stuff like that so but yeah after a while it's your gut and you got to trust it and you'd be surprised 
we all have the capability. We just have to exercise that muscle. And they say, and don't overlay yourself yourself onto it. Don't interpret what they're saying. It's their voice, not yours. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Dan from NYC Pooch has this to say. Time to Pet has been a total game changer for us. It's helped us streamline many aspects of our operation, from scheduling and communication to billing and customer management. Uh, We actually tested other pet sitting softwares in the past, but these other solutions were clunky and riddled with problems. Everything in Time to Pet has been so well thought out. It's intuitive, feature-rich, and it's always improving. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. Yeah, and that's that's fascinating to me, and I love how you phrase that of it's their voice, not yours, and that should really speak to how we try to care for them at all levels. Of uh, mm-hmm. it's it's their life, right? It's 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 what their needs, and and that's mm-hmm. the, where we should be trying to to come. It's not how we necessarily want or demand that they respond or act in certain ways. Like they treating them as individuals, and this uh, taking it to a little bit different level of uh, now allowing them to speak for themselves too. Yeah, they're here to teach us and they teach us a lot if we're open for it. Yeah. And, it's, and then there's different um, categories of thought. I mean, some people say it's just a dog. You're going to train it. It's going to do, you know, it's going to go bird hunting and it's, it's, it's just a dog, you know. And then you've got people like me on the other end of the spectrum. There's like, no, it's, it's got a soul and a heart and it thinks and it <laughs> depends on your thought patterns and your belief systems. But, but for me, I mean, not that I want to overlay and make my dog a child. It's still a dog at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. but it has its own brain. Yeah, And just viewing them in that light and Mm -hmm. then say, if that's true, what what role, what care can we provide and how can we get connected at a different level? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And I look at it like me. It's, It's like I'm on two legs with a collarbone. They're on four legs without a collarbone. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it hurts for me, what is it doing for them? And that's how I relate to them. It's like they're not just a dog, but they have aches and pains like I do. And you know, if, if you've got a you know four to six year old dog, they're in their thirties and forties. Well, how did my body feel when it hits thirties and forties? You know, it's, yeah. Now I'm thinking of okay, I should probably stretch more. I should probably go to the gym. I should probably. You know? <laughs> so, what are you doing for your dog? You know, are, are you? You know, and as they get older, you're still throwing the ball the same way as when they were two. Sure. So you can't do that anymore. You know, their body is not there. They're now in their 60s and 70s, essentially. You know? so, yeah. yeah. So and that's, that's the sort of things to be cognizant of. Oh, they love to play ball. They always love to play ball. Well, now you have to adapt and change that, Sally, because grandpa used to love hiking up the mountain. Well, he can't anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have to drive him up the mountain. So, I mean, he can still enjoy the mountain. It's just you're doing it differently. Right. The heart may still be there. The desire may still be yeah. there, but you need to, for their safety and for their health, do it differently. Sure. Well, and for your financial yeah. health, because it gets expensive if you don't do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking surgery. And <laughs> yes. So, <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> The third wheel of of what you've presented here is holistic care. You've, we've talked about the kind of the physical, the massage. We've talked about the psychic and the communication, and then there's this energy aspect that the care that that you provide. How would you describe that and the role that it plays in providing better care? Me, energy is energy. Is this a lot of people understand or have heard of Reiki? Um, Reiki is kind of what most of us start with. But I mean, this is the universe. There's a whole galaxy. I mean, it's just energy is energy. So yeah. 
I, I don't necessarily like to label it, but I call it Reiki because that's what people can, maybe they've heard of it. Sure. Um, so basically, as a practitioner, I'm a conduit, if you will. I'm passing a higher frequency energy into the animals, uh, whether it's remotely, what we call distant healing, or it's in person. So um, during a session, the, the healing energy is channeled through mostly my hands, either directly or indirectly, to the animal to assist them with healing themselves. Mm. So basically, I have to get myself out of the way and let the universal stuff just come through because I don't want to give my crap, if you will, to the animal. <laughs> you know? I've got my own energy issues, but so I have to clear that out of the way and let the purity of it come through because right. um, we are very enmeshed with our animals, even, you know, if you've got a horse, a cow, I mean, we're very enmeshed with our energy. So I have to be very careful when I'm doing energy work that it's it's at its purest. There's no ego, id, or whatever involved. Um, mm. So as it's sort of flowing um, into the physical and energy bodies, it's clearing and repairing areas um, that are blocked or damaged, leaking, if you will, and it's stabilizing any mental, physical, and emotional imbalances that can lead to illness or bad behavior. Um, so it's not invasive because obviously it's sort of either just touching or just hovering. Um, so it's gentle, but it, it can heal and energize on all those different levels. So it just allows your pet to have a more natural state of well-being. Because I'm attuned to the energies, I don't necessarily, I can switch them off if I want to. But basically when I'm doing a massage, the energy is flowing anyway, because I am using my hands. I'm using some intense fat. Because of the, the way massage works, I'm basically moving every fluid in the body all over. So if, for instance, I'm presented with a cancer patient, I can't massage because I could be spreading the cancer. So then I would switch to the energy work to help the animal's body deal with that cancer and um, you know, try and more naturally heal itself. You know, and obviously, they've got contracts and purposes. If they're destined to die of cancer, there's not a lot I can do. I can just make it more comfortable and easier for them. You know? Right. So, yeah, so that, that's kind of how the energy works. Um, I don't necessarily talk a lot about it because not everybody's quite there yet with the woo-woo of energy work. If you <laughs> so uh, and I, whether it's communication or energy work, I need permission to do it. So if I don't have the parents' permission, I, I always get the animal's permission anyway. Um, so sometimes I'm doing a massage and I feel like there's it needs like a little zap or any, you know, laser focus of energy. The dog and I know about it and we just get on with it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Not to be rude to the parent, but my job is the dog or the cat or the rabbit. You know? So that's my area of focus. Mm. Um, and then as they get to know me, then I say, oh, by the way, <laughs> you're getting a bonus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's not that I'm necessarily withholding, but my job is to make sure that dog is healthy. And again, that, that view being the client in your view there is the dog. Because that's who you're caring for, and so that's whose yeah. needs you need to be meeting. And then you, we can we can d discuss with what's going on with the owners in my business. My ideal client is aware of energy work. Sure. So it's not necessarily you know a conversation. It's like oh yes, I, or they read it on the website anyway. You know? <laughs> it's like oh she does this. So, um, so say, it's not that I'm hiding it. It's just that certain people they just don't understand it, and I don't have years worth of time to teach them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it nicely, but you know, and, and, you know, pet sitters, you know that too. There's parents and there's parents, and you, you, you don't. I mean, it's like Grandma says: you don't talk politics, you don't talk religion, you don't talk. You know. You're right. So sometimes in my world, you know, I relate to that too. It's like, okay, 
the dog and I have an agreement, we're getting on with it. A phrase many people might think of uh, when thinking of, of Reiki and one of the things we've been discussing here is uh, being, quote unquote, out of balance. Uh, mm-hmm. is it, what are some common reasons that a dog may be out of balance? And, and how can pet sitters and, and people like, like yourself, how do you go about getting them back in balance? I mean, there's, there's balance and there's balance. There's the physical balance. There's the energy side of balance things, too. Um, so from a physical aspect, you know, obviously they're limping or they've got injury, so they're overcompensating somewhere else in the body. They're leaning more to the left because the injury's on the right or something like that. So there's the that's when the, the massage stuff comes in because we've got to recenter them because we don't want them to get stuck in a bad habit of not putting as much weight on one limb versus the other. So that, that's the, the physicality balance, if you will. Sure. Um, and especially if you've got like a, 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 an active or agility dog or something like that, where you've got money involved, they've got to be like, you know, <laughs> on all four paws and functioning. And um, from an energetic side of things, um, they, they can have blockages just like us. I mean, I, I don't know. Everybody's pretty much heard of chakras at this point. You know, there's the higher chakras, the lower chakras. Um, most people think of the, the major seven. The lower chakras are kind of like your roots, your foundation. It's financial. You know, you've got backache. Well, it's because you're stressing about something and so on and so forth. Um, with the animal world, their shack, they have they have the basic same, same chakra system as us. But like for a wild animal, their chakras are going to be more up front because it's survival mode, you know, and they've got to hmm. be very aware and whole peripheral and stuff like that. Domestics probably more in the center because they're very loving and unconditional and more heart centered. So um, if they're stressed or there's a change in the environment, you know, it's like us, we're in protection mode. So we kind of shrink into ourselves, you know, and then you get things getting stuck. If there's an injury, sometimes the injury can actually block off okay. some of that energy flow and, yeah, you can call it chi, you know, because that's what acupressure is working on, acupuncture is working on. I mean, all those types of, there's different types of blockages, but with, yeah. with the, the, the the energy work, it sort of relaxes all that cellular level, DNA type molecules of the, of the because we're all, we're all energy at the end of the day. I know we physically see ourselves as a person or a table, or but it's all energy. Mm. So the, the, the energy work is kind of sort of, um untangling that if you will and just letting it flow easily so from a physical aspect if i'm massaging a dog i'm basically relaxing the muscles opening up the blood vessels so that the blood and the oxygen can flow and i said well that relaxes that now means the joints can move more freely mm. so it's, and it's very similar on the energy side i'm un, you know i'm relaxing something over here which will flow down to the next level and so on and so forth um, and and pretty much with us a lot of the work on the energy side is really at the emotional level right. because we're frightened or, or you know, upset or, or something has happened to us. Well, that's going to manifest physically somewhere in our body. So um, like, like for me, for stress and stuff, I tend to bottle it up. And then a few months later, I've got an injury. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where I came. <laughs> you know? you know, I, I had appendicitis. Well, guess what? It's because I kept all that fear and anger and everything inside of me. And it just, you know had to go somewhere so it went to my appendix hmm. so i mean it's it's that kind of you know it, it, i work at the emotional level a lot with yeah. people and animals because it is showing up somewhere in the body right it, it is this physical manifestation mm-hmm. of these energies of these emotions that are yeah. off balance or maybe had an, uh, a trauma to mm-hmm. to them in, in years past and now trying to unwind that and he, he, I, your phrase earlier i loved it, it says when we get a dog we we get 
uh, we inherit something more than just the dog. We inherit its past. We inherit its behaviors. We inherit these traumas, mm-hmm. whether spoken, unspoken, known, or unknown. And now, using these techniques, you start teasing them apart and start addressing them directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, as, as much as pets are, are undercover therapy therapists for us, yeah, to some degree, we're therapists for them too. We're helping them work through their issues and challenges and fears and stuff. Sure. Yeah. We, we got to help the helper sometimes too, right? Mm-hmm. That's, uh, That's right. Yeah. 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 Put the oxygen mask on yourself first. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Not that we're flying right now. <laughs> Nobody's flying right now. Yeah. <laughs> I have to start changing our metaphor, metaphors. Yeah, yeah, right. Let's go with a cup of tea. Fill out the cup first. Yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, one of the things that you mentioned that can throw a dog out of balance in all three of those those big areas that you mentioned was change in environment or or big changes in them. And that's pretty common in pet care if the dog's being dropped off at somebody's home or a kennel or meeting somebody new to go on a walk. So what are some ways that we can help those dogs in those scenarios to help them calm down or be less anxious over time as a pet sitter? Yeah, environmental changes could be anything from, you know, the kids went to college, the kids came back from college, oh. grandma moved in, you know, we've moved, we've gone from an apartment to a house or vice versa, or, you know, somebody's job changed, we moved out of state, so now the whole smells are different and things, you know, so, so there's, right. there's, you know, we take it in our stride, we pack a box, we load it on the van and go, but it, that's very traumatic for a dog, you know, or a cat. Um, so you, you talk about, Anxiety. So really, I mean, there's many types of anxiety that mm-hmm. we could be talking, you know, especially with pet citizens, it could be separation anxiety. Um, like I mentioned earlier with thunderstorms and fireworks, there's noise anxiety, there's the pain anxiety, there's the age. If they're a very old dog, they have anxiety, as well as that environmental thing that we started about. So trying to understand what type of anxiety they're going through is, again, is being observant and noticing how, how are they reacting? Are, are they aggressive? Are they barking? Are they urinating? Are they licking, pacing? I mean, there's all sorts of, again, the communication. They're telling us something's upsetting them, you know. So find, you know, finding out how they're reacting also teaches you, you know, what you're dealing with. Um, so learn the triggers. You know, what is what is that anxiety? You know, can you get a clue as to what you're dealing with? Because once you once you know, the goal is to avoid it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's like if they don't like walking past a certain house, well, then you walk in the other direction. You know, it's just, just just trying to find out what it is. So knowing their body language, I'd also say as pet sitters, safety is very important, your safety. Um, so knowing your limitations as to what you, you can, you know, treat, deal with, tell the parent about whatever but your safety should always be top of mind because the sweetest dog in the world if it's in pain or frightened it could still nip at you mm-hmm. but just you know because i mean sometimes our instinct is to cuddle them or you know it's like oh everything's gonna be fine but no, it's not you know it's like they know you're lying you know so right. it's like everything <laughs> will be fine is different you know don't say oh it's okay it's okay it's not okay because they're in fear mode or whatever right so so basics would, would be you know, anything like you know, positive reinforcement you know redirection play you know, playing music, you know, ask the parent. Is, does the parent know that there's an anxiety problem and what are they de- doing with it? Is, have you seen a dog trainer? Is the trainer taught them some, some techniques that you also should be doing to um, be consistent and reinforce, you know? So, so yeah, again, it's communication, ask them observation. That's pretty much key for everything. I can give you some tips, basically what to do, if that would help. 
Yeah, yeah, that'd be great because okay. I, th- I think that's one of the first things that come to many people's minds of, you know, maybe they, they're, they're not educated about energies or, or Reiki just yet and they want to do something physically with the dog. How, what are some ways that they can, can help with anxieties um, that yeah. way? Yeah, so there's, there's, there's massage and acupressure points that relax the pets. I'll talk about a few. I mean, they all work, but it's also, you know, what are their favorites? So if, you're, if you know that the pet you're working with is a head pet or a chest one or loves to have his belly rubbed or, you know, they all have a certain favorite. Right. Um, I mean, some dogs are super sensitive around their paws, which is a shame because that's one, one of the <laughs> pressure points. So, you know, if, if they don't like their paws being touched, then try a different one. So, so when you're working with the head, if they, if they like, you know, most dogs like having their ears done and something like that. So um, when we pet an animal, we normally just do one long stroke, you know, front to back, front to back, just, yeah, good dog, good dog. Um, for the head, what you do is using your fingertips, again, we're not talking pressure, you do a crisscross from the skull, from basically from the eyebrows to the top of the ears. So from that bony eyebrow ridge to the bony back of the skull, mm-hmm. and you're going front to back, side to side, and it's a crisscross. Um, what you're doing there is you're stimulating the, the neurons in the brain. So there's, there's the, the single stroke for the petting, but the crisscross is doing something different, the different technique, and it's stimulating different things. For the ears, assuming the ears haven't been clipped, um, there's an acupressure point on the very tip. Um, so if you rub the tip of the ear between the thumb and the forefinger, you know, maybe one ear at the time until they get used to it, and then you can do both ears at the same time. Um, so for us humans, when we rub our ears, it's like a headachey, migraine, nausea type acupressure points. For animals, it's very calming. Hmm. So again, there aren't any pressure. You're just rubbing your thumb and your forefinger together on the tips of their ears. If they're not head dogs, um, you can try on the chest. What you're doing with the chest is you're cupping your full hand and you're scooping slowly upwards from the armpit to the collar. Um, depending on the size of the dog, it could be you know anything from a one to four breath count, but you're going nice and slow with that. Um, it's a flat hand. What you're doing there is, is you're you're working on the, the, the heart wall. So you, with the chest, you're trying to slow down the heartbeat. So that's why it's a nice slow scoop and you go upwards, right? Mm. Um, on the ribs, you're using a flat hand and you're slowly going down the ribs because now you're working on the diaphragm because you want to relax the diaphragm so that they can get a bigger breath. So again, sure. that's calming too. Um, so again, so it depends if they're a head, chest, or if they like the ribs. Now, if they are a poor dog and you don't, they don't mind you touching the paw, on the, only on the front, so you've got the, the big metacarpal pad on what would basically be the heel of our palm. And then um, further up the front leg, you've got a little, little knobby pad. It's just above the dew claw. So in between that little pad and the big metacarpal pad is the acupressure point and you can rub that so again depending on the size of the dog you might just use your thumb if it's like a little pomeranian or if you've got a big guy girl you're going to use you know two three four fingers and you're going to rub um you can think of it like if you had carpal tunnel and you're sort of rubbing that wrist area it takes some of the pressure and the pain and um so that that's kind of soothing for them too it's kind of like having foot rub but it's only on the front is where the pressure point is because when you think about it, when dogs jump down, those front legs are shock absorbers. So those paws and everything are taking taking a lot going on all the time. Yeah. So having a little rub in there. But I say, don't force it if you if you've got a sensitive poor dog. Try try one of the others. So they all work. So it's just you know preferences. 
And if and if you're sitting various dogs, try it for fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, see what they like. And then you go to the next next dog and see what that dog likes. You know, it's like, oh. And you'll see that because their eyes start to go half closed. And it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Again, you... it's not petting, but it's, yeah. it's with intent that you're doing a certain technique to, for a certain outcome. Right, it's a little bit. It's 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 more focused than petting, and it's for mm-hmm. a, a particular outcome, like you said, that you're trying you're trying to get. Yeah. And and because we sit multiple dogs, we care for multiple dogs throughout the day, or um, you know, uh, those dogs will experience different things. We we may have the opportunity to, to try out those those simple techniques sure. on a wide variety of dogs across a wide variety of situations. Yeah, I mean, you you got the ideal audience there, and they'll tell you what they like and they don't like too. I mean. Some of them are very good at communicating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, do an experiment. Try it. And that way, you know, God forbid you're caught in a situation, you automatically know what to do because you, know, you practice because it's muscle memory for you too. Right. Great. Or the dog's already used to you doing it, so they're not frightened that your hand's suddenly coming at their head. You know, maybe starting out on some dogs that you know really well, do you have a long history with, uh, before diving right in. You know, not, oh yeah, always yeah, start not, with the easy one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the not the brand new, untested, uh, no background yeah. history kind of dog, especially if you're if you're new to this. Sure. Yeah, because again, you know, your safety is important. You know? So the dog's got to know what you're doing, get used to what you're doing before you need to do it. People who are listening to this that want to find out more, they've, they've, they are, they're interested in the topics that you've discussed. What are some resources that you recommend that people can dive into and start learning or start being, being certified and going to classes for maybe? Uncle Google. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, for communication, I mean, Google animal communications or pet psychics and find classes. Um, there's, plenty of books on the subject these days um you can go to your local metaphysical store see if they offer classes um if you find one book one you know talk to me or something like that but you know, see what it feels like on the receiving end you know and see how it works we, a lot of us have different techniques and how we do it so um sure. see if that's something you resonate with but yeah definitely take take a, take a look in the google um with the communication so it's really practice 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 i mean some of us are more empathic than others, so mm. you might, you know, you might have a natural tendency to it, to just go out to the garden and talk with the squirrel or you know <laughs> whatever right. it is. Um, I find with the, the younger generations, they have less baggage than us older generations. And I, mm. I mean that politely because I'm, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not a younger generation, um, <laughs> so they have less noise in their head and they they may be more open to that type of thing. Um, same same thing for any, if you want to do energy work. Um, you know, Google if there's a Reiki master teacher out there that's doing classes and stuff like that. Because um, with with the energy work, you need to be attuned. That's something you do need to find somebody that can do it for you. It's not something you're going to read a book and say, "Oh yeah, well the book says I put my hand here." Well, yeah, but you actually need the actual energy part of it. You know, so right. yeah, um, yeah. So so again, just sort of. Again, the metaphysical store, Google it. Um, and I, we're not doing fairs anymore, but yeah, that's the sort of the places that you'd find those. You know, it's not just Reiki. I mean, there's a lot of different energy. There's the healing touch. You know, there's diff- different forms, different types of energy. Um, it's just that Reiki is the more popular one and easily to be found. And then, if you want to do the massage and the um, acupressure, well, I'm going to recommend the Rocky Mountain School of Animal Acupressure and Massage. They have online courses as well as classrooms. If you're doing the online course, 
you're sending in videos and things of your the massage flow stuff that you're working on but um but we have people fly in from canada and all over the country to take the courses and the school is now open it's it's a trade school it's not under the same regulations as children's schools at the moment so um there is also one on the east coast so yeah so you you, if you want to go full-blown in that i mean certainly if you want to do the online my pet massage class that's an easy one to do um and then take a look at some of these online universities there's there's the barclay psychic school out in california if you want to go down the whole you know energy road and the coursera online they do duke university and things like that if you want to learn more about dogs i would certainly recommend as pet sitters doing um canine cpr and first aid again you can google your area i mean for me there's a emt group that come around and they also teach us animals as well as um people um i think the red cross offers a course as well but you really need that in-person cpr aspect of it yeah. that's something i would recommend as a pet sitter to definitely have in your arsenal of I mean, got you know, we don't want to use it but it's good to know because if i mean a lot of dogs are getting bloat now and stuff like that because people are buying these raised dog feeders and things which is not necessarily good for, for certain breeds so so you need to have some first aid awareness if you're out walking the dog and they cut themselves they get stung they have allergies you know so that's definitely something i would start with yeah and go from there the services you offer and in the way you view this it's yeah we have to be meeting these physical needs as well as these energy and these communication needs so all those are 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 open for exploration as pet sitters and and should be pursued if there's an interest and see how that can impact you maybe the business or the services that we offer or just helping us provide better services at the end of the day yeah, yeah and as pet sitters hopefully on the fridge door somewhere is the the er hospital er pet ER, whatever it is, the vet and stuff like that. So, because, yeah. you know, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm not a vet. I'm talking about certain things. But at the end of the day, sometimes you need to go to the vet. You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, if yes. you've got a snake bite, you're going to the vet. You're not coming to me, you know. Right. So, so, you know, that's, you know, have that in your speed dial, whatever it is. So. Right. Yeah, that's that. You're right. That is just part of it mm-hmm. too. Is sometimes you're going to the ER. That that just is yeah, part I mean, part it's just of unavoidable it. Unavoidable because yep. dogs are dogs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Jillian, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been a fascinating conversation around a very interesting topic that um, I, I don't think a lot of people really think about when it's they think of dogs and dogs hair. So yeah, who, who knew? Yeah, it is a thing. <laughs> and so I know I, I've learned so much and we've only really scratched the surface of mm-hmm. this. There's so much more. So uh, if people are interested and want to get in touch with you and, and see what kind of work that you do and, and, and follow along, how can they best do that? Yeah, uh, so it's Four Paws Holistic Therapy. Uh, you can go to my website. I'm offering free 20-minute consultations at the moment. So, you know, if you have questions, behaviors, and things like that. Um, Facebook, it's my name, slash Gillian Edwards. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. So, yeah, you can find me different ways. Um, you can text me. Just, you know, bear in mind I'm in mountain time. Um, that's 303-396-5209. Or um, email Gillian at therapy.com. Very good. And I'll have links to all that in the show notes. People can can easily click on those and get, get in touch with you. So again, it's been a real pleasure, Jillian. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, Colin. I appreciate it. The world of pet care is a big one. 
but there are small things that we can do every single day to make their lives better. From simple massages during the time that we have with them to diving deep into Reiki energy, if that's something that you're interested in, are all things that we can do to help improve not only our services and the care that we give, but the quality of life for the pets around us. We do want to thank Time to Pet for making this show possible. And if you're interested in supporting the show directly, you can head on over to our Patreon to find ways there. There'll be a link for that in our show notes. Megan and I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us and share our episodes in all of the wonderful things that you do. Thank you. <laughs>